want to add my welcome to those of you who are new here today. My name is Alex. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are delighted that you overcame fog and light drizzle to come and join us here this morning on a Sunday morning here in September. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What we are all about is pretty simple. It's just about making connections, whether you're in person or online. We want to connect people to God, to each other, and then uh, engage our world for good according to his purposes as faithfully as we can. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. This is week four of a series called Inner Strength, Building a Resilient Core in a, in a culture in a world that is more clinically depressed and anxious than ever before in our culture. Wouldn't it be great to be more resilient? Wouldn't it be great to sort of be able to come out and, and be a person who is stronger uh, through the inevitable ups and downs of life? And, and week one, we talked about how there's two resilient decisions that we can make. One is that we do the internal world work. These are thoughts. Patterns of kind of thinking, ways you think about yourself or the world around you or the other people around you. We talked about the voices in your head, and th that's the first three weeks of the series. And if you missed those uh, messages, all those are online and available on our YouTube channel. We invite you to go and check those out. Because this week we're making the turn to not just our internal world, but to the context we find ourselves. That is, that becoming rooted in a relationship and a set of community that contribute to, not detract from, you becoming the most resilient version of you that you can possibly become. And this is the turn that we're making today. How do we, as Shadow Community Church, what could we do? What steps could we take to become a resilient, creating, and resilience-reinforcing community? Like, wouldn't it be awesome if you came in here weak, got connected, got plugged in, and left stronger? If you came in here lonely and left befriended? If you came in here angry, tangled up in sin or shame or guilt or cynicism or apathy, and you left here to live a life of faith, hope, and love, wouldn't it be great to be able to come into a community and have it transform, change you, so that you were stronger as a result? My, my first couple of years out of college, I went to work for a campus ministry. I graduated down the street from a little school called UNC Chapel Hill. Uh, nice game-ish yesterday, I guess. Uh, and, and I went to work for a campus ministry with college students. And they sent me up to Richmond, Virginia, at, to Virginia Commonwealth University in downtown Richmond. And I was on a team, about 16 or so people, but we were all on different campuses across the state of Virginia. And every couple months we would get together and kind of do trainings and those sort of things. But mostly we were on our own. And for, and for my first two years working with these college students up at VCU, two words can define it. Utter failure. I was a disaster. I inherited a chapter of about 50 or so students. By the end of my second year, I was down to 13 students. I had killed the chapter. I considered going into Walmart greeting or Tupperware sales. Maybe a better sort of option for me. And as I spent two years spiraling into failure and abject, abject despair, I would say a couple, a couple things that happened to me. One thing that helped me was every couple months, my team got together for a two-day offsite, And every couple months, my great boss, Tom Oster, who did the homily in our wedding and was a wonderful gift to me, and the other 16 of us, we'd, we'd go to Scripture and remember, why are we doing what we're doing? And we'd pray for each other. We'd do some training or some planning. And the people on my team would listen to me growls and complain about what was happening and why things were going bad or sideways. And then we would just play. We would play cards. We would go on hikes. And... I would leave a two-day off-site with my team, ready to go back to my campus where I was just failing and beat my head against the wall over and over and over again. I was more refreshed, more charged up, and more energized to continue to do the work that I knew God had called me to do, but I was just struggling to see any fruit or any good thing happening. 
And it, I don't think it's any exaggeration to say that if I did not have that team of people during those two years, I don't know if I would have stayed in ministry. I might have quit. It was so hard. I was struggling so much. Things were going so badly. And if I had quit in ministry, of course, the worst thing would have been that I would have never ended up here at Chatham Community Church with all of you beautiful, perfect people. I mean, how lost in my life and despairing would my life have been that I never connected with all you beautiful people. It would have been horrible. Have you ever had a season of your life where you look back at the people around you during that time and say, God put just the right person or group of people in my life when I needed it most to help you walk through those difficult times? Or conversely, have you ever had a community of people where, uh, whether it's a workplace or a school environment or a team or a volunteer situation or even a church where every time you spent time with that group of people, it exhausted you, it drained you, it just sucked the life out of you. You're like, those people were miserable for me. That was horrible. Some of you haven't ever had the experience of having a community of people that was there for you in some dark moments and you kind of just slugged through. In fact, your only experience of community is being around people that suck life out of you. Our goal over these next couple weeks is to be a community that is resilient creating and resilience reinforcing as we walk the way of Jesus. That you might look back on your season at Chatham Community Church and say, that was one of the best communities I've ever, ever been a part of. That the Lord changed my life as I was a part of that community, as I got plugged in to that community. We have a handful of core values that were in place before I got here, and I love all of them. We're going to walk through them. And the one we're, we're going to walk through today, first of all, is relationally connected. This is one of our core values as a church, to be a relationally connected church. Now, one of the ways you might contrast that is uh, relationally connected is in contrast to programmatically connected. We don't just all show up to the same programs. In fact, we try to pare down our, I know it's hard to imagine, we actually try to we actually say no to a lot of programs because we want people to be relationally connected, not just show up in the same rooms learning the same content or topic. We actually want to be relationally connected. Relationally connected is actually in contrast to we all voted the same way. We didn't, and we don't. We're not connected because we all have the same political beliefs or political ideological alignment. We, we aren't connected because we share the same tribe. In fact, Jesus cuts across ideologies and politics and tribes to bring people together like nothing else. And no one else can. And it can feel really strong, right? It can feel really resilient to get together around politics, right? Because, man, here's, we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. And it can feel really powerful. But, my friends, you know how fragile that is. Because if you disagree with one or two platforms, one or two planks on that platform, suddenly you're on the outside looking in, aren't you? We want to build a resilient community around Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection, his teachings. And what you, what, what's happened for the last 2,000 years is communities that are built on the grace of Jesus, the power of Jesus. It brings people together that would never have hung out otherwise like nothing else can or will. And so we're pressing into our core value here today of being relationally connected. Now, this is what Paul is talking about as we go to Ephesians 4, the passage Sean just read for us. In Ephesians 4, Paul's making a turn. He's writing a letter to this church, this little church he helped start in Ephesus. And the first few chapters are big, sweeping theological themes and ideas about what God has done in Jesus. And some of it is about bringing people together across Jew and Gentile, these racial and ethnic divisions. And some of it is just about God reconciling all things in Jesus. He goes from sweeping theology in the first three chapters to earthy practicality here in Ephesians 4. 
And as Paul makes the turn from sweeping theology to earthy practicality, it's really interesting to see where he goes. He doesn't start with you individually, the difference Jesus makes in our lives individually, although it does. The place where Paul goes is one of his favorite places to go. He goes to the y'all, because Paul was a southerner. And Paul liked to write in southern English. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pop up Ephesians 4 back up there. This is the y'all version. The places where the you is not singular, it's y'all corporately. It's the church. It's the whole community, the body. Because this is so important to what it means to be a Christ follower. So here's Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1, the y'all version. Exactly as Paul wrote it. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge all y'all to live a life worthy of the calling y'all have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as y'all were called to one hope, when y'all were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. A couple things we have to talk about as we wade into the topic of relationships and community that would just help us to kind of put things on the table. First off, here's the reality. The reality is we are hardwired for relationships, for our well-being. Like from birth, you were dependent on someone else to care for you and take care of you, right? From an infant all the way through a kid. If you had a parent that was abusive or narcissistic, it messed you up. It just did. Like that's just the reality of it, right? I mean, it affects you for your whole life if you grew up in an unhealthy environment because the relationships are so key to you forming. But it's not just us as kids, as infants. All the leading indicators for longevity of life for depression and anxiety say that if you're in healthy relationships, you live longer, you have lower experiences and recurrences of depression and anxiety. You are hardwired for relationships. And so, of course, post-COVID, as we're more kind of isolated than ever, you see the skyrocketing of both anxiety and depression, not just mental health issues, because we are made for relationships. This is how we're wired. This is who we are as human beings. So that's the reality. Here's some bad news. Bad news is this. Sometimes relationships stink and they always require work. Right? Sometimes relationships stink. All of us have had relationships that have gone south, have soured, have been difficult, a lot of work. And, and, and they do, all of them require, even the good ones require time and energy, which are limited resources. And so what some of us have done is like, man, relationships stink. And uh, I only have so much time and so much energy, so I'm not going to put too much time and energy into those things. Or a few of us get like, hey, I'm going to get one or two good friends, and that's good enough for me. I'm done, right? Because relationships otherwise are risky things, risky propositions. They all suck time and energy out of us, and sometimes we just want to put barriers around us, right? So relationships out there, sometimes they stink. But here's some even worse news. Sometimes we stink at relationships. It's not just the people out there that have problems. Have you ever sinned against someone? Ever said something you regret? Hurt someone? Ever gossiped about someone or kind of gotten petty with someone? Ever been in like fierce competition with someone and got really sick and unhealthy having conversations in your head? It's not just people out there. Or, or do you, have you ever at any point in your life looked back at your pattern of relationships and realized I keep picking the wrong people? I keep investing and giving people entree into my life that are the wrong people. That, like, that influence me in unhealthy ways. Sometimes we stink at relationships. So we are hardwired for relationships for our well-being. They are hard and messy out there. And we're not always that great at them. Here's the good news. Here's the good news. Because we are so hardwired, because God designed us this way, what God has done in Jesus is to come and redeem relationships. This is at the core of what Jesus has come to do. At the core of what Jesus has come to do. 
is to take this thing. Like, God is not surprised that we live longer when we have healthy relationships. That's how he designed this whole thing. He designed you to run on healthy relationships with each other and with God. And because relationships have gone so south and so sideways, what God has sent Jesus to come do, at the core of what he's come to do, is to come redeem and right-size healthy relationships, to make those things right again that never should have been things that suck energy out of us. And this is something of what Paul's casting vision for as we get to Ephesians chapter 4. Here's a redemptive community. Here's what community looks like that's built around Jesus that is actually rewired in ways that are life-giving and not life-sucking. And so Paul says this, right, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you all to live a life worthy of the calling you all have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient Bearing with one another in love. So here's a question. What does it look like to live a life worthy of the death of the Son of God for you, for me? What does it look like for us to actually live a life that's worthy of God putting on flesh and suffering and dying and bleeding out for you and for me? It looks like being completely humble, gentle, patient. It's about how we show up in relationship with one another. It's all about community. It's all about these relationships. Now, some of us grew up in church cultures, right? Church kids, uh, I'm talking to you now. Some of us grew up in churches where the measure of spiritual maturity was how much theology could you regurgitate and how much of a Bible nerd were you, right? You have the right answers and you know Bible trivia, right? Now, listen, like Bible trivia. I'm a Bible nerd. I love Bible. I love scripture. Nothing wrong with that. And, and, and the other thing about theology is it's really important to have good theology because all of us are theologians. Every single one of you has an opinion about God. Every single one of us. It's not a question of if you're a theologian, just a question if you're an accurate theologian. And if you're not an accurate theologian, all kinds of consequences, all kinds of outworkings, right? So theology matters, the Bible stuff matters. But when Paul says, how do you know if you're a mature Christ follower, you know what it looks like? Be completely humble. Patient with each other. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. It's all about how do we show up in community? How do we relate to one another? And if we know all the Bible nerd stuff and all the material and can regurgitate all the right answers, but we aren't actually cultivating it in community with one another, we're missing the heart of what Jesus has come to do. Because God wired us up for relationships, for community. And so what Jesus has come to do is to redeem, right, reset, right-size community so that we become a people who live in community in healthy and life-giving ways. In fact, Paul says this is so important that Jesus has already done all the hard stuff. Like, in fact, check this out. This is what Paul wrote. We read this, Sean read this earlier. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There already is one body. And one spirit, just as y'all were called to one hope when y'all were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all and through all. And Donna, can I get my, uh, my prop here today? Okay, here we go. Donna not only plays keys, she's also a pizza delivery girl on the side. Thanks, Donna. This is a used-to-be-frozen pizza. It's starting to melt, so it's starting to kind of turn ooey-gooey. On Friday nights at my house, it's pizza night. Now, here's the deal. Uh, we, we usually get frozen pizza because we don't want to order out and pay money for it. So, so every Friday night, it's pizza night. Now, here's the deal. On Friday night at like 6 o'clock, no one wants dad to start making the pizza. Have you ever tried to make pizza dough? It takes a long time. It's very laborious. It's tedious. It takes a while, right? Everyone's hungry. It's pizza night. No one wants to work too hard. So I don't make the pizza by God's grace, and everyone's happy about that. All I do is warm it up and deliver the pizza. It's already made for me. Already made for me. Already done. My job isn't to create the pizza or make the pizza. I just deliver 
the pizza. Similarly, when Paul says, I want you to make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. We don't create unity. We don't create the unity pizza. We just receive it and hand it off to other people. We don't create unity. We just receive it as a gift of grace. And then we offer it to one another. We warm it up, slice it up, and say, hey, God has made us one. God has made us family. And so our job is not to strive and strain and to try to keep unity. In fact, Paul's whole thing, now Don, I'm going to give this back to you before it totally falls apart on me. In fact, Paul, Paul's whole argument is that we're supposed to keep the unity of the spirit. The unity of the spirit's already been given. Thank you so much, Donna. Unity of the spirit, he says there's one body, there's one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. There's already this unity thing that God has already established for us. And when you get brought into Jesus Christ, you are joined with brothers and sisters all over the world that look nothing like you. They'll speak your language, don't have the same culture, but we, say, we share the same Jesus. And that changes everything. And so we don't generate the unity pizza. We just deliver it to one another and protect it, keep it, try to keep watch over it. But man, is it so incredibly hard to do. Back in January of 2020, my, uh, my small group shuffled, shuffled the deck. We had a great small group in fall of 2019. Some folks had to swap out or move on or didn't have time for it. We got some new folks jump in January of 2020. We met for the very first time, second week, January 2020. Little did we know, like eight weeks later, the whole world was going to come to a screeching halt, right? And so as the world came to a screeching halt eight, nine weeks later, we migrated, all our small groups migrated over to Zoom, the dreaded, hated Zoom. But here's the deal. Every Tuesday night when we came together, that little Tuesday night small group became an oasis. We laughed, we cried, we prayed, we prayed for each other, we read scripture together, we walked through the long, dark, miserable spring, summer 2020 together. And even though I was so tired of Zoom and so tired of meetings on Zoom all day long, I never missed a Tuesday night because every single Tuesday night was a gift of grace from the Lord as we encouraged each other and spurred one another on. It was so very life-giving, and there were so many things happening. On top of COVID, uh, in that small group, one person was going through a divorce. Uh, another person lost a parent. Uh, uh, several of us were having kid issues and challenges on top of the, the COVID stuff. We would get together. We would complain a little bit sometimes. Sometimes we would complain a lot together. We would listen to each other, and we would share this beautiful Tuesday night gathering. It was so, so incredibly life-giving for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. But that gift was tested. It was tested a couple months into the bleak period of COVID after George Floyd was murdered. Because here's what we had in our little Brady Bunch boxes. In our little Brady Bunch boxes, here's what we had. We had a white male police officer. We had a black man. And as our country was screaming about issues of policing and black communities, we had one of the most powerful experiences and conversations I have ever had, particularly along these issues right there on a little zoom call just our little small group as we fought to keep the unity of the spirit the white police officer he opened up he said listen there are bad police officers right in every industry there's a bottom 10 percent that shouldn't do it and, and, and you know look, there's bad janitors there's bad haircuttery people there's bad lawyers there's 50 percent bad lawyers in the world uh, you know there's a there's a bottom 10 percent in every industry that either they're burnt out bad at the job or they're just bad actors and they need to be getting rid of it. he says yes there are all kinds of bad actors that make it so hard and he acknowledged that acknowledged that that's a problem and the black man so graciously said listen good policing is a gift to any community in every community good policing good police work so good and 
when a corrupt police officer or a bad police officer enters into a community, they have so much power, so much authority. And we got to do something about the system that protects or covers up or, or just passes along people that actually need to get out of the business because they're not helping anybody. And these two men, while the country was screaming past each other about these issues, these two men, because of Jesus, had this beautiful conversation, honest, vulnerable, broken before each other as we fought to keep the unity of the spirit. And that small group continued to be a blessing well into fall 2020 and beyond because we fought to keep the unity of the spirit. My friends, how are you doing at fighting for unity here? Is there anybody in this room, anybody in this community that you're like, need to forgive, need to reconcile with? Anybody here, maybe you don't even need to have a conversation with them. You've had conversations in your head with them all the time. You've been jealous of them. You've been resentful. They've done something. They didn't even realize they did something, and you just kind of have taken offense at something. Is there work you need to do before the Lord, between the Lord? This past week, I had a great opportunity to do this myself. Uh, we, we were in a meeting on Wednesday night, and someone brought up something, and I responded so sharply, so strongly. I surprised myself at what came out of me. I was like, this isn't what, this is not who I, this is not how I want to show up. I'm not being patient. I'm not being humble. I'm not being kind. After the meeting, I went and apologized to the person. She was so gracious and so willing to kind of hear me and so, so generous. But they kept bugging me. I was like, you know what? I sinned against her in front of the whole team. And so I sat down and wrote an apology email to the whole team. I didn't just sin against her. I sinned against our whole community. Can you forgive me? Can the whole team, can you all forgive me? Because I want to fight to keep the unity of the spirit. I want to fight to keep short accounts. I want to acknowledge and confess sin and make sure that we're dealing with the work we need to do. My friends, is there anyone here? that needs to fight to keep the unity of the spirit here within our community. Now, one of the great things about my small group in particular, that whole season of 2020, was we were really different people. I mean, we, were, we had one Lord, we were pursuing Jesus, but we were different places in our spiritual journey, and we had different temperaments. We were processing COVID very differently. Some of us more, more, more grumpy and complaining than others. And so what was beautiful about it was those differences, which is so hard, right? The question is this, is difference going to bless each other or curse each other? That's what marriage is, and that's what church is. In any other community. Are your differences, because you're going to hang out with people who are different from you, are those differences going to bless each other or curse each other? And what Paul does is he pivots to talking about these differences that God gives us so that they might bless one another. Here's how Paul pivots to is he talks about gifts. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That's why it says when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Saw, uh, Paul here is riffing off a uh, psalm. And he, he riffs off it and changes it just a little bit. And he, talk, he uses this image of a conquering king, a conquering warrior, who comes back from the battlefield with prisoners of war literally kind of walking into it behind him. And then once, that, once he's crowned as king, he would give gifts. He would give like appointments and land and jobs to people who were loyal to him. High-ranking high generals, those sorts of things. And what, what he's riffing off of is this. When Jesus ascended on high to be crowned king of kings and lord of lords, he delights to give gifts. He said, hey, once I'm ascended, the Father's going give to the, give the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you're all going to be given gifts. And Jesus, who is a generous, generous king, he's, he loves his children so much. He just loves giving gifts. You get a gift, and you get a gift, and you get a gift. All kinds of gifts poured out on his kids, on his people. Here's what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach this, that you have been given God-tailored, God-custom gifts to make a U-shaped difference in this world in his name. You've been given God-tailored, custom gifts 
to make a U-shaped difference in this world, to do good work he prepared in advance for you to do. And that could be working out in any number of ways. That could be working out in singleness or marriage, raising kids, grandparenting. That could be working in IT. That could be teaching in a classroom. That could be working on the wor- serving on the worship team or leading a small group or doing hospitality here at the church, volunteering somewhere else. You have been given custom gifts. Not just one, actually, a a suite of gifts to make a U-shaped difference in this world, to do the good work God prepared in advance for you to do. But as Paul then pivots, he actually moves back to the y'all. That's not just us individually. He says, actually, this is about how the church is supposed to come together. He writes this. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the whole body of Christ might be built up. Until we all together reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. There's knowledge, super important, right? Theology matters, knowledge matters. And all of us together become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's body, that's unity, that's all of us together being built up, not just individually. We are here collectively together bringing our gifts that we might encourage each other, spur one another on, moving on to maturity, completeness, wholeness. So let's tweak our statement a little bit here. You've been given God-tailored custom gifts to make an us-shaped difference in this world. You've been given gifts to bring to the community to make an us-shaped difference here in the world, that we might make an impact in our community that looks a lot like Jesus' impact, that we might make a, a, a difference in the community that bears all kinds of different fruit, and that we might actually not just make a blessing, be a blessing out there, but that we might bless one another. Paul says in that passage we just read, that we might be mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Here's the deal. You will never experience all the riches of Jesus on your own. You'll never experience the full riches and full maturity apart from being connected to fellow believers. You'll never experience everything that God designed you to experience. You'll never grow up in the full maturity in Christ without other people coming alongside you, intentionally being connected, bearing with each other, patiently forgiving one another, cultivating relationships in such a way that you are genuinely submitted to each other and working out this Christian faith thing all together in community. None of us, none of us, none of us could possibly mature to the fullness of Christ, all the full maturity of Christ, on our own, the only way we grow up into full maturity in Christ is we do it together. And Paul goes on to cast vision. What happens when we're anchored to one another, when we're networked to each other, when we're connected, when we're integrated in these ways? He says this, well, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. So Paul is having to write in the Ephesians. It's a brand new church. Christianity is brand new. And there's, uh, there's people coming in, bad actors coming in after Paul and sort of taking Jesus, the Jesus thing. No one knows about Jesus, right? It's like all brand new. And they're like, and people are hijacking the Christian faith for power, for money, to control people. And so Paul's like, listen, when we are kind of fully mature together, when we're integrated, growing together, then we'll become people who aren't just tossed about by bad teaching and by people who are scheming and trying to steal our time, our energy, and our money. We become people who are whole together. And so, listen, we have some of those problems. There's all kinds of different theologies out there and all kinds of different false teachings out there and things that we have to be aware of and awake to of how people want to take the Jesus thing and kind of riff off it or tweak it in some ways. But, my friends, even more broadly than just false teaching or other things out there, have you ever felt tossed around by the waves? Circumstances, job changes, economy changes, someone gets sick in your family. Ever felt like an infant just tossed around by 
big personalities or people around you, things happening outside of your control? Have you ever felt like you've just been tossed around? Paul says, listen, when we are integrated with one another, when we're connected, when we're rooted together, there's a maturity, a wholeness to our own lives, to our relationship with Christ, and there's a groundedness that makes us so much more resilient than just being batted around by circumstances and the challenges we face. There is a strength available to us. And then Paul closes with this, and we'll close with it as well. Instead, speaking the truth in love, which is a great mantra for small groups, will become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part brings their gifts and does what they can to do its work. My friends, as we make decisions to keep the unity of the Spirit, to be knit together in Christ, we grow up into full maturity. We fall up, we grow up into maturity in Christ together, blessing one another, and then from that blessing we turn around and we bless the community. It's the kind of community that you show up weak and you leave strong. Kind of community you show up beat up and you leave healed, restored. The kind of community that you show up anxious and fearful and you leave to live a life of faith, hope, love. The kind of community you show up all tangled up in sin, guilt, shame, and you leave to live a life of faith, hope, love, wisdom, courage. The kind of community that you'll tell a story about many years from now. That when you went through that difficult season, that the people that God put in your life were just the right people at just the right time to make you a more resilient person no matter what comes along in your life. Today's wildly important take homes. I want to talk about here's what relationally connected community looks like from Ephesians chapter 4 that makes us resilient in the face of things. First of all, we're cultivating lives worthy of the calling. That is, we are learning to be humble, gentle, patient, and bearing with one another in love. Would you pray for that? Because it's always a work in progress, right? How many of you are awesomely humble today? I'm feeling awesomely humble. This is like a constant work in progress, right? So would you pray for that as my, as my request? Would you just be willing to pray that God would develop in you humility, patience, bearing with the people around you, even the ones that drive you crazy and smell a little bit bad? Would you, would you pray that God would bear this kind of fruit in your life, that you might show up in community as a mature Christ follower, not just able to recite sort of Bible nerd theology or whatever, that's all good, all good stuff, but that, that the Spirit might be working these fruits in you, that you might show up in community in a way that blesses each other. Second thing we get from the passage, we receive the gift of unity, that unity pizza, and we go to work keeping that unity. Here's my question for you. Is there any unity work you need to do this week? Any unity work you need to do this week? It's not always easy, but there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one Spirit, one God and Father of us all. Are there people that you need to be reconciled with? Are there people you need to forgive? Are there people that you need to move toward or just pray about and ask God to help you to be released from how you're resenting them or how you're feeling about them to move to a place of healthy unity? And then thirdly, we bring our God-tailored custom gifts to the community to make an us-shaped difference in the world. And here's my question for you. Are there any gifts that God's given you for the community that you're holding on to? Any gifts God's given you? That, that he, he gave them to you for the sake of making a difference in this community and you're kind of holding back, holding on to. When people outside the church, my, my friends from far and wide, ask me, how are things at the church? Here's what I tell them. I tell them, we are better positioned and poised to make a bigger difference in Chatham County than we ever have before. We're better positioned, better poised to make a bigger difference in Chatham County than ever, 
ever before. To be a spiritually disruptive force across Chatham County and bless all kinds of people in Jesus' name. And part of the reason why I feel that is because of y'all. Y'all, bring in your gifts, all kinds of people, serving in all kinds of ways, serving all kinds of generous ways, whether it's with kids or hospitality or financially, leading small groups. Y'all are doing so much beautiful work. I'm so, so grateful for you. But, but here's my question. It's because the passage sort of talks about this, that God's given gifts to the community. And when you bring those gifts, your gifts, open-handedly to the community and you release them, the Spirit takes it and does something that you can't manufacture, just multiplies it for greater impact than you could generate on your own. Are there gifts that God's given to you that he's saying, tapping on the shoulder right now, saying, hey, I gave you that gift, not just for you, but that you would have something to bring to this body, to this community. And listen, not every gift is for this community. Some of you are using your gifts teaching school. Some of you are volunteering other places. Some of you are using your gifts in other out things in the marketplace or in your retirement communities. All That's all, all good stuff. I just want to ask the question, are there, is anyone here today holding on to gifts that God's saying, hey, I gave those gifts for you to bring to the community so that we might become more mature, complete, growing up to the unity and the fullness of Christ and bearing the fruit of the Spirit to feed many people outside of our community. And then finally, the result of all this is we created a mutually reinforcing, resilient, and resilient-making community, maturing, strong, in part through our connectedness. And my question for you there is, are you connected yet? That we create, by God's grace and by the power of the Spirit, building on the work of Jesus. We fight to keep the unity of the Spirit. We invite one another into that, the power of the gospel, to the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And as we do that, it becomes resilient creating and resilient reinforcing. My question for you is, are you connected yet? This morning, in every other seat, there's a little small group sort of sign up, sort of quarter sheet. If you're not yet connected to a small group, it's one of the primary ways we build connection around here. I wanna implore you, take this thing, Fill it out. Drop it in the back. We are one church at two locations, North Chatham and Pittsburgh. We've got 24, 25 small groups across North Chatham and Pittsburgh. We will be glad to hook you up and get you connected to a small group of people that by God's grace we hope and pray. You'll look back many years from now and say, that small group of people, those people, or a couple people out of that small group were the exact right people I needed at just the right time at that season in my life. If you're not yet a part of a small group, I implore you. Find a way to get connected into the community that God has inviting you into as he continues to build us up. Because one key resilient building decision that you can make is to plug into a community of people that contribute to, not detract from, you becoming the most resilient version of you that you can possibly be. May God be doing that here as we fight to become a relationally connected church in his name, on his grace, that we might grow up to the fullness of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are good and your mercies endure forever. Thanks for being patient with us as we have our fits and starts in community, in relationships. And Lord, you know the stuff, you know the baggage, you know the, 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 the things that we've been through, different ones of us have struggled with. Lord, you know the challenges we faced for this whole thing. And Lord, I, I pray especially for my friends who are here who are pretty isolated, pretty alone, pretty cut off from community. Lord, would you tap them on the shoulder and invite them to take a, a next step in, whatever that might look like for them. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to fight to keep the unity of the spirit right here at Chatham Community Church. Would we have hard conversations? Would we, be, would we be gracious and generous to each other? Would we forgive one another? Would we bear with one another? And then, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for giving gifts, so generously giving us gifts. Lord, we have been given gifts freely, and we want to hold them loosely before you, and we want to offer them up to you and to one another. So, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here to bear all kinds of new fruit 
and do all kinds of new work to make us your people. And then, Lord, if there are folks who need to take that step into a small group community or find other ways to get connected and plugged in, just pray for the strength and the courage and the wisdom to make that next step, to become a part of a community that we pray by your grace might make each one of us stronger and more resilient. We ask in Jesus' strong mighty name all these things. Amen. Amen.